episode, regular guest Lee Beckman and your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons, are going to look at six films on the subject of giant monsters. So, I don't know what more I need to say beyond that, other than, as usual, you can expect coarse language, and as usual, you can expect spoilers for the movies discussed. Please visit the website at rankingreview.ca, send feedback to rankingreview at gmail.com, and seek out the Facebook page, throw me a like, maybe a review on iTunes. Anything you can do to help spread the word on the show would be greatly appreciated. Welcome to another exciting edition of Rank and Review. So here we go with my most frequent guest, Mr. Lee Beckman. Thank you for coming back yet again. Uh, today we're going to be discussing giant monsters. BFM. Big fucking, fucking monsters. monsters. Yeah. Um, and we started talking about this a little bit earlier, but we kept having to stop ourselves and save it for the podcast. But yeah. the thing about when you're talking about things like King Kong or Godzilla or dragons or dinosaurs mm. is that part of what you're stepping into, I think, is you're engaging with something that is openly ludicrous. Mm. And I think that that is the battle that most of the movies we're going to have to talk about today have to sort of either embrace or conquer or, you know... You either got to hide mm -hmm. it or you got to just sort of fully, you know, love you it. You have to embrace it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that was one of the questions that, you know, we started to have before, you know, we, we said, save it for the podcast, <laughs> is, you know, at, at some point you do have to get over the ridiculous notions that there are giant beasts coming at you. I guess I like the recurring themes of we are not, you know, high in the food chain, we, we're not... Uh, Stronger than nature that sort of, you know, percolates yeah. through all of these. That's, I think, one thing I really enjoy about all of them. And but, I think that they're movies that uh, can almost get by on the sort of idea of style as spectacle. Yes. Uh, I, it's not about being able to outsmart Godzilla. 
you know, or, or think King Kong. It's about the destruction, the path of damage between where he escapes and where he lands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's about the journey. Mm-hmm. And it's about embracing the things that are absolutely ludicrous. I think pretty high up on my list if I was forced to make a list of, you know, favorite or most influential or most personally loved movies of Larry, mm-hmm. the original King Kong would have to make a place pretty high up on that list for me. Mm-hmm. I, I have a genuine uh, affection for the movie, mm-hmm. and a lot of people do, mm-hmm. and it's completely bonkers. Mm-hmm. It's completely, openly ridiculous and mm-hmm. bonkers, and mm-hmm. it lives in a world of utter fantasy and indulgence. Mm-hmm. And for that, I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's a surprisingly delicate art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I would say half these movies are good, yeah. and half these movies, the errors are very evident. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> So uh, you picked this list. I mean, out of many, what's yeah. what? Why did you want to talk about this? Well, movies? that was one of the questions I was going to ask. Is like, why do you love these movies so much, Larry? I, mean, I guess you just sort of explained it. Just <laughs> that that, that opening. I loved King mile. Kong. I did watch yeah. King Kong a lot when I was a kid, and uh, I've always had an affinity for the Jurassic Park franchise. Even yeah. the weaker entries of the movie, even though I acknowledge they're bad, yeah. I enjoy watching them. Yeah. In spite of their badness. Yeah. Because dinosaurs eat people. And there's yeah. a 12-year-old boy locked somewhere inside this man's body. Yeah. Who still gets off on that for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is a, definitely an art to making a really good disaster slash monster movies. That's essentially what these are. Yeah. Uh, they, they follow that whole model of disaster movies. And if you don't like them, well, then your, your opinion's not going to change. Yeah. But there's definitely an art. There's definitely a way to make a good monster movie and a bad way to make a monster movie. And I think we will definitely talk about that in this cast. It's strange. I think, like, you have to kind of accept that your star is your monster. Yes. You have but to love your monster. You still have to have interesting enough supporting characters that we care when they die. Yes. I also agree, but you can over you can overdo it. Uh, I keep going back to the original King Kong. I, I was uh, horrified by this idea of these band of uh, adventurers that set upon this journey in the jungle, mm-hmm. and we start with like I don't know twenty or thirty of them, mm-hmm. and we don't get to know a lot of them very well at all. But almost none of them make it out of this exercise. <laughs> you know, we'll talk about that when we get to King Kong, though. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's King Kong. It's not Saving Private Ryan. Not everybody needs to have their personal soliloquy. We don't need to know everybody's backstory. But I think we need to be familiar. They have to be relatable. We have to be able to cheer for them. Mm -hmm. And if we're not awed by the monster or frightened by the monster, we need... We need to. We need some sort of hook into it, yeah. other than you know, ooh, big scary teeth. Yeah, I, I will agree that your monsters are your your main stars, and if you don't, have, if, they, if they don't have it, you don't have it, kind of thing. So yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time is in the selection, and I'm sure we'll you know we'll know when we get to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The six films that Lee Beckman and your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons are going to be reviewing this episode. Godzilla. We have Roland Emmerich's take on Godzilla from the 90s. Mm. We have Cloverfield, the sort of ambitious attempt at doing a forced perspective giant monster movie. We have Guillermo del Toro, uh, rank and review director favorite, uh, Pacific Rim. Mm. It's uh, giant monsters versus giant robots. 
on paper it should have been yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and we have the absolute unabashed classic i think we can fairly say yeah. jurassic park yep from steven spielberg yep we have the uh controversial blockbuster from uh, peter jackson that he followed up the lord of the rings trilogy yeah his take on the king kong mm -hmm. which was an uphill battle for me as i've said i love the original Mm -hmm. And the, the uh, I don't know if it's really cult respected or if it's just cult respected in my mind, but the utterly well baffling said. and uh, demanding of attention, be it good or bad, reign of fire. You. In a world where dragons, dragons taken over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale versus fire breathing dragons. We should say no more and just save our, <laughs> and save our love for it when we get there. <laughs> So, uh, yes, I think this will be an interesting episode, so uh, let's just jump right in. A creature has been awakened that has lain dormant for millions of years. A species older than the dinosaurs and more terrifying than anything we could have imagined. How did they go from one to a million in less than a year? Highly evolved. They have great vision in the day. They have even better vision at night. Extremely intelligent. He's playing hunting. More like can mouse. Unbelievably powerful. Two glands in the mouth. Secrete separate chemicals. Combine an exhalation, natural napalm. One will protect them. We have to hang on. Work together. And one will lead them. There's nothing magical about it. They're made of flesh and blood. You take out their heart and okay. bring down the beast. Rob Bowman. Yep. Uh, I think he, at the time that Reign of Fire was coming about, I think he was mainly known for his attachment to the X-Files franchise. Yeah, the, yeah, he'd been in, yeah, he'd done a couple episodes in the first movie, did he not? Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was a preferred director on that show, and he kind of got his own ticket at the end of the original version of the X-Files. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, with his ticket to Hollywood and his first, you know, big-budget genre feature, he's going to bring us Reign of Fire. Mm-hmm. What can I say about Reign of what Fire? What can you say about um, Reign of Fire? It's different. I'll give you that. Uh, this is a post-apocalyptic dragon movie. Mm -hmm. Dragons are unearthed in the city of London, and they basically propagate rapidly mm -hmm. and proceed to burn and consume yes. the planet. Mm-hmm. They and eat the ash. I like that. I I like that little detail. Is that the dragons all they really do is eat the ash of everything that they cook. Yeah, um, and we sort of fast forward to from the beginning of the movie where we see the origin, where this first dragon is unleashed, mm -hmm. to uh, the bulky, muscular, on his way to Batman, <laughs> Christian Bale. <laughs> Yep. And his team of ragtag survivors who are living out of the ruins of some old castle and have hidden crops where they're, you know, trying to feed this desperate group of children and teaching them to live in a world where you hide deep underground and you, you run from the monsters. Their somewhat delicate, fragile 
society is then interrupted by the Americans, led by a literal walking, talking penis. Yes, really. Played by Matthew McConaughey. I think, depending whether you're going to like this movie or not, it's whether or not you're accepting what Matthew McConaughey is doing. If you just love and accept it, then I think you're going to enjoy this movie. If you're Karen Giese, you're not going to watch this movie because everything that you hate of this man is on full display. It's bizarre. So Karen Giese, this movie's for you. <laughs> He's more just the personification of a huge American penis. Really, yeah. it's 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 not really a character. The I love time, it. Yeah. I love it. I do, but I can understand why people do not. The first time we see this bald-headed, Matthew bearded, Mad Max-looking McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, he's literally straddling. He enters the compound in the tank. The first time we see him, he comes out of the tank, if okay, you remember. Well, but he but does. He, he does ride into the compound, straddling yeah. the tank. Like, yeah. And if the movie was a comedy or a satire or, yeah. or had that sort of tone of goofiness to yeah. it, I would have said, oh, well, I'm rolling with the punches. But up until this point, despite the fact that it's dragons taking over the world, <laughs> this movie has taken itself quite seriously. Yeah. So when the Americans show up, it is a very bizarre <laughs> shift in tone. <laughs> it's a, it becomes a cartoon. No, um... Matthew McConaughey, bravo, bravo. You would think this was made by British people. I know it's set. In it was London. shot in London. Yeah, but but it's an American production for the most part, as far as yeah. I know. And because it, it really feels like this is what the outsiders would view yeah. the American military to be yeah. as, and not something that, that that there's just there's nothing credible about them. Like you don't believe that they could have survived this long. Yeah. Like. The entire, almost entire team gets cleaned out trying to catch one dragon in this uh, well-rendered but ridiculous skydiving sequence. We'll, we'll get to that, but I want to come back to McConaughey. <laughs> I love the fact that his character just speaks in sort of like low growls all the time. It's like, you know what this is. <laughs> we were in the middle of a field when it came upon us. Almost like, I'm sure at some point him and like... Christian Bale were sitting, you know, while they, you know, uh, you know, sort of off from the set a little bit, and I'm sure Christian Bale at one point was like, "Hey, man, hey, Matthew, uh, uh, that, that Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers might cast me in this Batman movie," and Matthew kind of going, "Well, make sure Batman talks in a low growl." He does. It's it's just he he swings for the fences. At the time, <laughs> Christian Bale hadn't really fully uncorked yet and become, yeah, you know, a big Batman action star. And Matthew McConaughey had already sort of passed his point where he was the Hollywood up-and-comer, but he didn't quite live up to the hype yet. He's had since this career resurgence. Mm -hmm. But at the time, this movie starring Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey was not at all considered star-studded. These were very available actors to them. So I think part of it through the lens of where we are now, with Oscar winners, Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale, Bale. Right? Yeah. it becomes a different thing. Like, mm-hmm. they would never lower themselves to be in, yeah. in, in, in a movie like this. I also think it's interesting, and it speaks to both of I mean, the, the mind of a working actor and these yeah. two specific ones, is that mm-hmm. as fucked as this movie is, yeah. it is neither the weirdest movie in McConaughey's catalog, yes. nor is it the weirdest movie <laughs> in Bale's, Bale's catalog. catalog. No. And that is, in, in itself, some insane <laughs> trivia. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but, this movie is utterly ridiculous. We might as well get to the sequence. It was a, what are they called? Archangels? Is that what yeah. they're called? The, Apparently, in order to catch these uh, dragons or lure these dragons, they will airlift these guys. They'll jump out and uh, spring nets to yeah. slow down the dragons. But I, I mean, I don't know how one would learn how to do this. Yeah, I don't know what the wind to loss ratio is. Like, yeah. How many, how many oh, times yeah, do no. you jump out of that airplane before And then expect you... to survive. I know they sort of joke about it. It's completely and utterly ludicrous. Like, <laughs> if I was an archangel, I'd be like, you know, you know this, the, the percentages of us surviving? You're like, yeah. no, no. It's, it, it's, it's totally dumb and ludicrous, the fact well, that they would have to shoot a net to get these dragons. There's no. got to be an easier way to feed me to this dragon. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> No, that's all that seemed to be happening. Yeah, it's in that sequence. it's so the, stupid, but it works. It's such a well-made action sequence. I mean, arguably the luckiest guy is the guy who uh, is so preoccupied and looking for the dragon that he fails to open his chute yeah. and just gets killed by hitting the ground. <laughs> yeah, but no. I mean, I've never seen a movie like this, and in a way, I have to give it points for that. But it's almost catastrophically stupid, so I, I've got to take points away. Yeah, for that. I know. But but <laughs> do you do you really? Because I think it sort of knows it's a Saturday afternoon matinee. Turn yeah. your brain off. I mean, you do have to embrace the suck of this movie. It's a, Rain of Fire is almost this movie where it's so bad it's good. I don't think it's quite that level, but. It is such a joyride, and I know it's bad. It's a bad movie that I enjoy watching, yes. but I cannot honestly look myself in the mirror and say this is a good movie. I and know. I couldn't honestly recommend somebody, you should watch this movie. Yeah. I, should, I would say... You'd have to watch it with your special sort of, you know, movie geek friends, maybe. I don't know. I would say, like... <laughs> By all means, go ahead and watch Reign of Fire, but yeah. I'm not endorsing it. I'm saying watch it, <laughs> but I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying that you will like or dislike it. Yeah. I'm saying you won't see anything quite like it. Um, and again, the tone all over the place. As we get deeper into the movie, we find out that they have to get this one big bad dragon. The male dragon. The, the one male. That, the, the reason that they're able to propagate so much is mm-hmm. this. So, um, uh, there is a sequence where the dragon in one pass brings the group from about 50 members to two or three yeah with one pass yeah and uh again by this point we've been so married into this ridiculous yeehaw american crew that Mm -hmm. any reality has almost been lost so that when all of those people die I, I felt more empathy towards, you know, the, the, the limeys, the British ones that, the, yeah. that uh, Christian Bale was protecting. A lot of them were kids who yeah. spend their lives underground and uh, just living terrified. They're not macho. I, they're, they're, yeah, I, I, know. I felt for their plight. I, I honestly, because of the, the cartoonish portrayal of the Americans, didn't feel anything when they died. Yeah. They were like the guys who were getting killed in, in King Kong, except like uh, their deaths were less interesting. They yeah. were, you know, I couldn't give you any of the characters' names, and I've seen the movie several times. Yeah. 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 I do like the attention to detail of, of the world they sort of portray in this post-apocalyptic world. Uh, you know, the the fact that they have to live underground, that they've got a falcon that, you know, sort of signals when they come. 
uh, that there's been attacks before. The, you know, the, you know, there's that there's a history to the, you know the universe that they portray, especially for a hundred some minute movie because it does move. It's and very, it does it's a, earnestly try to do some world building. Yeah. like we hear the kids singing a nursery rhyme about how to hide from a dragon. Yeah, that also, and I also we see like a school play of him retelling his sort of Cole's Notes version of Star, Star Wars. Wars. I thought that was a nice little nod. And yeah, like again in that's all sort of before the Americans show up. And in a way, like, I was sort of almost going with it. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is a crazy premise, but so are zombies, so are vampires. And and since you're taking it seriously, so will I. And that is, again, belied with the presence of Matthew McConaughey. That said, I don't dislike Matthew McConaughey in this because (laughs) he was making some bold choices. And I have to believe that that's what the script was asking him to do. And if Matthew McConaughey is listening to this, and I'd like to think he is, Matthew this one's for you <laughs> this is tell, when you should have won the Oscar <laughs> tell your agent that he needs to find you a Viking movie and, and take the character from Reign of Fire and put him in there and I'm there opening night I don't know I mean in some ways it doesn't belong in this movie because everyone else is you know, trying to be so serious mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would pay good money to see Matthew McConaughey reprise his role in a Viking movie well and as I, I gotta say it like as much as his presence in the movie is comparable to another movie we, yeah. we you and I reviewed, uh, The Ghost in the Darkness, yeah. when all of a sudden Michael Douglas shows up and the movie gets kicked up two or three, <laughs> three notches, notches weirder than it had already been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and much like the Michael Douglas character, spoilers for Ghost of the Darkness and spoilers for Reign of Fire, yeah. uh, our macho hero does not see it through to the end. <laughs> he has a glorious death. I mean, this, that's where, you know, one thing where I'm sure there's an unrated version. <laughs> so when he lunges at the dragon, he's actually naked with his big red cock flying in the air. And he's trying to hit the dragon with it. That's well, what I was kind of hoping for. That's honestly not where my mind went. <laughs> Wait a second. Did <laughs> I, say, I said too much. It's on the record now. <laughs> okay. But I will say, for as patently ludicrous you are as gonna that edit character that, right? is, uh, uh, as ridiculous as the McConaughey character is, yeah. they matched his ridiculousness <laughs> with <laughs> the scale and spectacle of his death. <laughs> I know. I'll let you just watch the movie to experience it. And, you have to tell them. And that's the, and that, that's the thing about the movie. Is it good? Well, I don't know. No. Is it bad? I can't quite say it's bad. It is an experience that's probably worth having. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but we almost that... feel ashamed for liking this movie. That's, it's ex... that's the problem. Yeah, like that's my if if they they do an anniversary edition and rank and review gets yeah. quoted on the back of the box. That's what I want it to be. Yeah, it's an experience that's probably worth having. <laughs> So endorses rank and review. Uh, uh, sure, absolutely. Go ahead and watch Reign of Fire. I yeah. mean, uh, it it's crazy. Yeah. You won't see another movie like it. I can't quite say it's good. I can't quite Gerald say Gerald Butler's it's bad. in this too. Gerard for, Butler, that's right, yeah. For all you like Gerald Butler fans. Yeah. Tonight we dine in hell, Butler. <laughs> Um, it's um, it's fun enough. I like the, like the way the dragons look, especially yeah. the big bad one at the end. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the tones all over the place. The characters are are fairly undimensioned. Yeah. Uh, it's as dumb as the premise yeah. of the movie. It's also mercifully short. I think if we stayed any longer, like I tried to be this big serious pretentious epic, we'd be like. <laughs> but it it is. I mean, it's barely ninety minutes. It's over ninety minutes. Yeah, it's got a you know it's a Mad Max flavor with yeah. giant, with, with dragons. Yeah, 
There you go. Good enough? Yep. talked a lot about Peter Jackson in the podcast. Really? Which, which is a shame because you should. Because I, I, am, I am a fan of his. I know that he can be somewhat divisive in sort of nerdverse. Yes. Uh, Peter Jackson is a director who always follows the mantra that more is more. You know, uh, some people think Sometimes less is Sometimes restraint more. is an issue with him. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't side with him 100% either way. Yeah. Uh, I prefer the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I prefer the not extended editions of The Hobbit. Yes. Um, when it comes to this arguably indulgent King Kong movie, which mm-hmm. uh, was almost three hours, I think, in its theatrical release, and even longer when it came out on, on DVD... Uh, a lot of people kind of wag their finger a little bit, sort of saying, too much, too much, too big, too silly. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my defense mm-hmm. of Peter Jackson's King Kong, because mm-hmm. I'm a fan. Yeah. And I've always been a fan, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's definitely got some ludicrous stuff to it, but mm-hmm. you got to consider the source material. Mm-hmm. And the source material of King Kong, when it released, was the biggest, boldest incredible special effects extravaganza spectacle that anyone had ever imagined let alone presented to a film audience yeah and he sort of took that spirit peter jackson took that Mm -hmm. spirit and tried to put it in a modern context Mm -hmm. and if you're gonna make a three and a half four hour epic monster movie Mm -hmm. it fucking might as well be king kong yeah as far as i'm concerned now, do you need any monster movie to be this big, to be this epic? I don't know. I, it's but one, if it, you're going to do it, I yeah. say King Kong's the movie to do it for. It's definitely one, and you could definitely try. Um, I, I think the fact, you know, he had just come off Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And this is, this, this, is, this is, you know, his jaws in a lot of ways. This is the movie that made him want to go into filmmaking. Yeah. And if, you're gonna, and, and if you're going to redo King Kong, you're going to have to obviously make it big, but also you know give something new to the table. Yeah. And he definitely did that with this version. Um, I guess you know comparing it to and there's like at least two versions. Uh, it's been remade once before in '76, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's already been a remake of King Kong. One thing that really, really works about this movie is the stuff on Skull Island, which is really its own different movie in a lot of ways in King Kong. Yeah. In this version, we see way more of it. So much so that now Hollywood's going to try and at least do it one more time now. There is essentially three movies here. You could break this into three fairly even chapters. Yeah. The Journey to Skull Island. Yes. Skull Island itself. Yes. And then New York City. Yes. And I think The Journey is interesting, Mm -hmm. not bad, but of all the three pieces, the one where I think we feel the length the most. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Skull Island mm-hmm. is fucking amazing. Yes. 
Yeah. I think that the New York is largely very well handled and mm -hmm. that there's good emotional impact to the end mm -hmm. of the movie. Mm -hmm. But I do concede that by that point, I am worn out. Yes, a lot has happened. It's the, it's that Skull Island is such an emotional <laughs> ride. There's so many things that go on with it that you are sort of spent by the time you do get to New York. I will concede that. Uh, it's like when I watch The Lord of the Rings now, because they got the, the extended yeah. edition, I can do it a disc at a time, so yeah. I'll do a couple hours a night. Yeah. Uh, King Kong doesn't break up as neatly as that. Uh, yeah. So... It, it, it's almost a King Kong miniseries, if you yeah. look at it that way, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think that uh, I'm I mixed on some of the cast here. Really? Um, Naomi Watts, I think, yeah. is amazing. Yes. This movie doesn't work if we don't feel the relationship between her and Kong at all. And I think where the movie really starts to being really, really good is that scene where she's obviously been taken, he's gone back to the lair, and she's juggling, and you know they're, they're sort of bonding in that sort of way. We haven't really told the premise of the movie, but I'm assuming people know the story of King Kong. If, you, if we need to explain King Kong to you, you know, you need to actually go back now and start listening to all of the podcasts and watching these a movies. A filmmaker takes a crew to a forbidden island to yeah. get footage for an epic adventure movie and yeah. discovers dinosaurs and a giant monkey. Yeah. And, and Darrow gets stolen by yeah. King Kong. Blah, and then blah. it turns into the Lost World. Sorry, yeah. And... Uh, so I think that the main and most significant characters of the movie, other than King Kong, yeah. is Anne Darrow and, yeah. and Naomi Watts, and then Adrian Brody, who was hot off of his Oscar, and sort of... And Hollywood has tried a couple of times to make him action hero, man. Well, but this isn't Predator, I want to be Christian Bale, uh, Adrian Brody. This yeah. is like, he's actually sort of a skinny, lanky writer who is yeah. sort of forced into a sort of hero position. Mm -hmm. And I like what they were going for, mm -hmm. but... His character is almost unnecessary to the story. Yeah, it's sort it's of... It's really a story about Andero and King, King Kong. King Kong, absolutely. Absolutely. And the secondary story is the story of Jack Black's character trying to make this movie. Mm -hmm. I like Jack Black. Mm -hmm. I genuinely like Jack Black. Mm -hmm. I think there's something about his presence in the movie. He's a very... Well, he's essentially supposed to be Orson Welles in a lot of ways. He's a contemporary presence. Yeah in this movie that oh. is not contemporary and he sticks out a little bit he i mean I, I i it's not a complete disaster or anything like that but i almost think that this version of the events dunham becomes such a villain mm -hmm. yes that by the time the new york scene happens i want jack black to be squished by king kong oh no i'm, I'm almost, actually kind of mad that he survives the movie yeah. i mean he gives the last line does he not yeah uh, which a lot of people groan at, but that's a direct link to the original yeah. movie as well. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that they may have overplayed. I can't decide if it's a script thing or if it's a performance thing, but mm -hmm. I'm not 100% on board with the Jack Black. Yeah. But, yeah, Naomi Watts and King Kong, played by uh, Andy Serkis. Yes, who is really the true star of this movie in a lot of ways. He does two performances for to begin with. Yeah, he's also one of the more featured crew members yeah. on the boat. But... Uh, the rendering of King Kong is absolutely incredible. legendary. It's and legendary. It's really, really good. And I you love believe him. Yeah, you believe him one hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, Naomi Watts was either looking at nothing, or she was looking at uh, uh, you know Andy Serkis with a bunch of dots on his yeah, face. Yeah, that's what it was for most of it. And yeah. you know, not to the scale of what Kong would actually be. Mm -hmm. So her performance is doubly impressive. Yeah. For that. Because she didn't know how amazing the special effect was going to work out. Yeah. And, uh, like, 
this is one of those performances that like people could miss in the special effects. But as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned, like she should have got some serious award attention mm-hmm. for for her work in this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't work if we don't believe and fall in love with the sort of relationship that and Darrow and King Kong have. And, and there's, we do. And we do. There's a scene where she, you know, there's juggling, and then when she, they've just experienced that big, huge fall down the cliff and the Tyrannosaurus, Tyrannosaurus which is also a highlight of the movie. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Yeah, I want to talk about um, that. Uh, but the scene where she chases after him and he's being all sort of, like, grumpy, and then yeah. they watch the sunset. Yeah. That scene is beautiful and so well acted. And then there's the scene in the pond in the third act, which is so good. That if we don't feel that emotional pull, because King Kong is really the tragic hero of this piece in a lot of ways. And I love that's one thing about this version of King Kong that I think the other two don't really have. They see Kong as the monster. There's obviously there's some sympathy towards him in the 76 version, but Kong is very much the villain in the original. Yeah. So well, but here... I yeah, I think there's, there's, a, there's an element of sympathy to Kong because of him being taken from his jungle and once he's in New York and lost and doesn't know how to do, he's just a wild animal trying Mm -hmm. to find his home. And in that way, we can relate to that. Mm -hmm. But one of the strong things I like about Kong, Mm -hmm. and I think they captured it well here, is that Mm -hmm. he is an animal. And like he is sort of driven to, you know, the the weird, irrational acts that you you tend to see in greater apes, you know? He will throw a temper tantrum, and he isn't always 100% rational. But he is intelligent enough that you can kind of reach him. Mm -hmm. But there's a danger there. There's Mm -hmm. sort of a balance, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, he's just, he's kidnapped from his home. I know it's there in all three versions, but I really love the fact that he's just very much a sympathetic character. He's very capable of great, brutal violence. But uh, it's more of a genuine relationship in this movie. Yeah. There's something crassly sexual about the King Kong's fixation with yeah. Andero in both the original and definitely in the 70s ver- yeah. version yeah. Uh, of this movie. In this movie, they seem to connect mm-hmm. like you would connect almost to like a very beloved pet or yeah. an animal. They, right. We empathize with each other's plight, yeah. you know? Yeah. And. Uh, that they've managed to realize that with the special effect is amazing. Yeah. But I want to go back to where I started with this review and that yeah. Peter Jackson's sort of mantra is that more is always more. Okay. The most famous scene in the original King Kong is, of course, King Kong fighting this T-Rex. Yes. So, of course, Peter Jackson's going to give us that. Yeah. Except for he's going to give us three T-Rexes. And which I was like, oh! Yeah. Oh. And yeah. he's going to do all of this fight with King Kong, keeping... And Darrow balanced by catching her and throwing her within yeah. his hands. Yeah. And a ludicrous but wonderful scene of dinosaurs falling, falling down, down canyons can. and yeah. being hung up in vines. Like conceptually that, this is a this is like the territory of Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner. It is such a well made action sequence. I love the fact that, yeah, you know, at one point she falls and she's trapped in the vines as well. Yeah. And she looks across and there's one T Rex going yeah. <laughs> and I thought, Wow. It, it is it is well shot and made, and you can follow the action as they tumble down the cliff. It's so good, and then it then segues into that final battle on on soil. Yeah, um, but and that's I definitely the that money shot. <laughs> I understand people's problems yeah. with the movie at this point. Mm-hmm. At this point, for me, I'm just a little kid in awe of the spectacle yeah. of it. But I even get a little bit worn out by it. 
And once we get, it takes a good hour almost to get to Skull Island. But mm. once we get to Skull Island, it is a series of horrifying events. Yeah. And horrifying. Yes. Which brings me to my next question. Yes. There's a scene in this movie that, you know, and the thought never escaped me after I asked it. And it's when, what's that, uh, that actor's name? Hold on here. Oh, okay. The, the movie Chandler. star. The movie yeah, the star. movie star. Yeah. Where he gives that scene to Adrian Bodie and he says, look, I'm just an actor. Uh, no, I'm no hero. Right. Uh, I've just lost lost my motivation, and he promptly walk. He promptly walks out. Which is, by the way, the right answer. Well, yes. That's the question I have for you. Is that at this point, is he wrong for doing that? No. 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 This jungle has proven itself at every turn to yeah. be the most ridiculously deadly place ever. Yeah, and at that the point, at least two or three people have died. The amount of people that have died just in the first few like. Seems uh, first hour of entering out of the woods yeah. would be enough to convince me that Andera was lost. Yeah, well, and not there's even, no way she's. This alive. is really just one mission to get another person back. To which, yeah. uh, at that point, I'm like, because at least three people ha- have been murdered at this point. Yeah, and kind of going, uh, you know what? Like, this is my job, Sayonara, yeah. and walk out. No. So you have to get around that at that point. But I go back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. All of these movies at their center, at their core, there's just a ludicrous angle to it. Skull Island is kind of a ludicrous island, but I love that we're in this imaginary world. But I think he pushes it a little bit far with the scale and energy of the spectacle. Honestly, it it might be too much. And it's also way too scary for children. Oh no, this is I not a kids movie. I cannot believe that this was like a like sort of like a, a straight flat PG movie. Yeah, there's a sequence involving bugs in the bottom of this gorge. Yeah, that kill it off is, like the some of the last members of the crew that we is had left. Utterly and horrifying. The like, few characters that we knew well enough to care about. Yeah, and they die these horror movie deaths. Yeah. slow awful horror yeah. movie death. And at this point, they had just lost another major character and then had been pushed down a cliff. Yeah. So it like it is beyond... All these people have PTSD at this yeah. point, at least. And again, I would wag my finger more at the movie, but I would encourage you to take another look at the original King Kong. Mm-hmm. King Kong squishes people into the ground with his foot. Mm-hmm. There's a great scene where he's looking for Andero in New York and he grabs mm-hmm. a woman out of the building, looks yeah. at her, oh, that's not Anne, and he casually tosses her <laughs> to her death. Yeah. Because he's a monkey, and that's not the one he was looking for, and <laughs> yeah. he didn't think that deeply about it. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty violent movie, so mm-hmm. much so that when it was re-released, they edited it, and for a long time it was hard to find an unedited version of the original King Kong. Mm-hmm. So I think that he was being true to the original, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm amazed what he got away with. Mm. This shit isn't PG. No. This is not a PG movie. No. This is a horror movie. This is an adult action horror movie. Yeah. And Bravo for that I, but it's um, not what it was sold as it's not what it was advertised yeah. as and well, if you ask Peter Jackson he would say this was for everyone bring the kids mm-hmm. and I'm here to call shenanigans yeah the definitely what what 14 15 years old is maybe where this is, is should... scarier than anything in, in the Lord of the Rings movies by I think a substantial margin Mm. that bug pit honestly and if you're watching the extended edition that sequence on the river is also so good I understood why they cut it because you know at that point that movie is a close it's three and a half hours at least the scene we're talking about they're they're trudging through a swamp they actually build a half-assed raja and they're they're there's two two rafts and And they get uh, attacked by these water creatures dinosaurs and it's another very cool 
you know, 10-minute action sequence that's yeah. sandwiched between, uh, you know, a bunch of other action sequences. And, yeah, I get that the movie will wear a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. I get that I have a special affection for it. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to say, yes, I'm on board for King Kong. Yeah. The things that, that take away points for other people, I think, like I said, if there's going to be an epic, you know, almost four-hour monster movie, it might as well be King Kong. Yeah. And as much as I said that by the time we got to the, the third act in New York, uh, I was worn out, mm-hmm. it still bums me out every time when King Kong takes his fall off. Oh, no, it's so sad when he falls. And uh, they, it's it, a monster movie, and I feel for the monster, and yeah. it works. I, I know I have a close friend of mine who just think the whole movie was practically undone for him by that final line, yeah. "'Twas beauty killed the beast,", beast yeah. which does feel kind of on the nose. It, but it's yeah. also... The exact way the original film ends, and uh, you know, I think I, I, I sort of figured it out here a little bit because your biggest story is the monster. You yeah. really have to fall in love with uh, your your monster, your beast, somewhat, and yet and he that, still has to be scary. And yeah, they yeah. manage that. Yes, and I think that's one of, one of the differences between the ones that work and the ones that don't in this series. You have to honestly have a genuine affection for the big monster. Yes, they'd be horrifying. But you can't take your eyes off them. I think people who dismiss this version of King Kong are underwriting just how difficult it would be to make a genuinely compelling yeah. and emotionally resonant King Kong movie. And, this and comes that's back, what happened. Yeah, and this this comes back to being that Andy Serkis is the really, the really star, big star of this movie. Yeah. The performance he gives as Kong is outstanding and really the reason to watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, but we've already said that. But uh, yeah, no, when he falls to his death it's so sad yeah. anyways um, I'm a big big fan of Peter Jackson's King Kong I am I would just say know what you're getting into it's a long sit yeah, I would say yeah. 100% worth it it is you're, you're sitting for a while it's it's strange when I first saw this movie uh, in Korea I was sort of underwhelmed by it but the more I see it now I've seen it like four times now mm-hmm. I, I, I learned to really really love and appreciate it um, I would say it falls short of perfect but no, for this type of movie Pretty fucking solid. It's awesome. Phones are out too. Universal Pictures presents. I can't get Jurassic Park back online. Adventure 65 million years in the making. Just to delay. After all, it is all major theme parks have delays. When they opened Disneyland in 1956, nothing worked. But John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. You sure we're safe? Yes. Must have figured out how to open doors. Jurassic Park. So, 1993, mm-hmm. uh, a little-known filmmaker named Steven Spielberg little known. <laughs> <laughs> uh, adapted a novel from an uh, obscure author named Michael Crichton. Pulp Fiction writer, yes. Uh, called uh, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Now, this film, Jurassic Park, and the novel Jurassic Park, actually have very little in common. Mm-hmm. They, they have some of the same characters, and uh, the basic premise is there. But beyond that, I mean, there's a 
evil corporation that has found a way to produce real live dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and they're trying to create a theme, theme park. park tourist attraction. And they bring some scientists and some lawyers there to assess the park, mm-hmm. and everything goes wrong, and people are eaten by dinosaurs. Yeah, the book is okay. Yeah, the movie, no, it's a great sitting by the beach. The book is great. okay. It's violent. It's much more adult oriented. The movie is one of the best monster movies ever made. Yeah. And this is from the director who made Jaws, which is arguably the best uh, monster movie ever made. If you disagree, there's something wrong with you with that (laughs) statement. So, uh, he had a high bar to match by his own making. Yeah. And uh, I think that Jurassic Park, and this is not a controversial statement, is an incredible movie. Yeah. I can't believe that in in one year he made essentially two American classic movies in yeah. Jurassic Park and, and Schindler's List. List before it, and they're such you know different and diverse movies. Um, uh, unpopular opinion? No, oh, here we go. Jurassic Park's the better film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's that, a I, I, difficult thing to do a movie that is absolutely ridiculous in its premise mm-hmm. and that works and fires on all cylinders and that is like a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, again, I keep on making these movie reviews personal, but let's okay. travel back in time to 1993. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. I believe I was in grade 11. Okay. And I was struggling. I was not a very good student, especially in the maths. And I came home for lunch, and my father, who was in between jobs at the time, mm-hmm. asked me if I'd like to go see Jurassic Park, which was opening that day. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would love to see Jurassic Park. I do have a math quiz this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And my father, in his wisdom, responded, I didn't ask you if you had a math quiz this afternoon. <laughs> I asked if you wanted to see Jurassic Park. And I realized that he wanted to see this movie as much as I did. Yes. And that his bringing me along was a much was like an excuse for him to go see this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I skipped out on, on that quiz. And mm-hmm. me and my dad saw the first matinee mm-hmm. of Jurassic Park. And both of us rode those chairs like we were in a roller coaster. Yeah, I have a funny story about my own. I was emotionally devastated by Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. It's a but tough watch. I could not tell you how many times I've watched Jurassic Park, and Ooh. I still get echoes. Maybe not the same thing that their first time ride, you go through the ride, mm-hmm. but that ex- same experience it, it echoes with me. Every well, Jurassic Park time. is definitely the more rewatchable movies between that and Schindler's List. No one really, you know, sort of says, "Hey, let's have a good night and sit down and watch, you know, Schindler's List and have a good time," because you don't. And Jurassic it, Park. It, it's a well. Make- it's a well-made. History lesson where Jurassic Park is essentially, you know, cinema candy. It didn't need to be great. Jurassic mm-hmm. Park didn't need to be great. All mm-hmm. it needed to do is have cutting edge special effects and dinosaurs. Yeah. And it does that. And on top of that, it's great. Yeah. No, if you, uh, you need uh, a constant reminder about film language and how good Steven Spielberg is, you know, and you don't want to sit and watch your know, more adult talky. You know, even sort of dark Steven Spielberg. You, I'd say this Jaws in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a, a good sort of triple bill because it is sort of not as more adult. Yeah, uh, Spielberg. I also um, want to give him point for his casting across oh, the board. I'm glad you were getting to the casting because 
uh, at the time, you know, th- this was still a strong cast that he assembled, and yeah. they were working actors. But a lot of people know, you know, Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. They and know a lot Laura of people Dern. associate Jeff Goldblum for whatever reason with Jurassic Park, even though he's done lots of great performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Laura Dern, same thing. Mm-hmm. At the time, these were all really good working actors that mm-hmm. were the right person for the roles, mm-hmm. and not necessarily, you know, people that were going to. S- bring you the guaranteed box office. Mm-hmm. The dinosaurs were going to bring people to the theater. Yeah. Let's get actors. Yes. And uh, I think the cherry on the pie for me, and I say this uh, to my own surprise, mm-hmm. maybe Richard Attenborough <laughs> as the, the... Yeah, Spielberg has a thing of casting directors in a, in a really good, strong supporting roles. He did but that with Close Encounters. I think most effectively here, I actually genuinely... Uh, liked that character in a yeah. way that you're not really allowed to in the book yeah in the book in fact he gets he has a rather grisly death he he uh if i remember correctly he might even get the copy death that we see portrayed in the second movie mm. uh it's interesting because spielberg took moments from uh the second book and put mm-hmm. it in the first movie and moments from the first book and put it in the mm-hmm. second movie it's a little bit of a patchwork mm-hmm. but as far as creating a roller coaster ride, which mm-hmm. is really fun, quite scary, yeah. but still, I think, okay for the kids. Yeah, well, you know what's really good about this movie? You can talk about how good Sam Neill or Laura Dern or even Samuel Jackson, uh, what's the guy from Seinfeld? It's Wayne Knight. Knight. Yeah. Um, but you know who's really, really good? And you miss it because, you know, the first time, that you, I agree, the dinosaurs are there, you, they're the main, they're the star. Yeah. But one who I thought that was both who are really, really good and a lot of ways, you know, really drive this story where Joseph, is it Mazzaiello and Adriana Adriana Richards? Yeah, the kids are so good in this movie. And that's something that I came to realize. And Spielberg's always had a pretty good eye for casting kids and obviously got a good hand directing them. Yeah. You believe the shit out of those kids. Oh, those kids are put through the ringer. <laughs> they they gave some of the bravest performances, and n- not once do I doubt them. No. They are genuinely kids. They act like kids. They, they're they not annoying. They're so good. And they got to hold their own against Sam Neill, yeah. who's been in how many movies? Yeah. Say what you want. And, and I'm sure he... It, it, has he been not nominated for an Oscar? I could be I wrong. But he's definitely... He's had a career. Yeah. There's lots of genre movies where... He, He's been in, he's been in prestigious, you know, best picture, nominee movies, kind of stuff like that. So, you're holding your own with Sam Neill. These kids are really, really good. There is a devastating moment. I remember watching it the first time and Mm -hmm. it really hitting me. Mm -hmm. Uh, When the first 40 minutes is all sort of tease, 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 tease. We sure we get the great awe moment where we see the dinosaurs for the first time, but we're Mm -hmm. like... When's shit gonna get real? Mm-hmm. When's shit gonna get real? And finally we get to the point, the storm is raging, mm-hmm. the cars have stopped right outside the Tyrannosaur mm-hmm. paddock, and uh, this lawyer who's in the car with the kids, mm-hmm. they're all in the car, he sees what's going down, he sees that this Tyrannosaurus Rex is coming, yeah. and he runs. He bails, which is a common reaction. Yeah. But, but it's sort of a cowardly thing. And by the time Sam Neill gets to the kids, mm-hmm. Ariana Richards is in shock. Yeah. And the only thing she can say, and she says it over and over again, is, He, he left, left me. Us. Yeah, he left, he left, left us. us. Yeah. And there's just, there was like, they, they didn't need, like, the stakes were already so high, like, yeah. they didn't need a moment that awesome in the yeah. midst of all this. Yeah. But it, it like, 
I already kind of loved that girl because she was in Tremors, and yeah. like um, yeah. I love the shit out of Tremors. Yeah, and it was great seeing her again in this, but. Yeah. That, that, that was an amazing moment. That yeah. was a flat-out amazing moment in yeah. an amazing sequence. Yeah. And this movie's just getting started It's now. a now, I'd say, bona fide classic action sequence. If you want to talk, you know, talk about one of the best action sequences ever filmed, that opening Tyrannosaurus scene. And once again, this is the, the genius of Spielberg and how he's a master at his craft. At this point, CGI was still relatively this new spectacle thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd had Terminator 2, we had had The Abyss, even, and it really sort of started with Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which mm-hmm. is, of course, made by... Carpenter. You know, the Jerry Award-winning Carpenter. <laughs> um, but Spielberg knows that CGI works better if it's done at night. So when that trinus comes in and it's bathed in both, you know, light and also dark shadow... It looks very authentic, yeah. and it then turns into this ultimately suspenseful, terrifying. Uh, I love the fact that there's no sound, and all you hear is the sound of the footprints and the thunder. Mm-hmm. Just the beginning of that is so good, but then that sequence where the car you just gets squished down and the mud comes in. Yeah. That poor boy is just <laughs> woo. Like even I would be like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> It's intense and yeah. it's scary, but I mean, because uh, there are kids, I think the kids will identify with it. And yeah, that'll be a scary sequence. When yeah. I watched this with my son, yeah. memorably afterwards, he said that he liked the movie, but that he hoped that I didn't show him something that scared Ever him. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I don't think it was too scary. Like, I still mm. think like he liked it, yeah. but it is intense. Yeah. Um, that, that scene where they're trying to, that, that Rex is trying to clamp down and uh, there's that, just that pane of glass between them. Yeah. And the kids are... <laughs> yeah, like again, yeah, kids and adults next to each other riding their chairs like they're in a roller coaster. I love the fact that there's a ruthlessness to Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> there really, really is. He knows how to terrify people, and he's like, he takes his time. Like I said, it's forty minutes or so, almost yeah. an hour before he turns it on. But once it turns, yeah, the rest of the movie is just relentless fun and action and yeah. great jump scares, yeah, and memorable scene after mm-hmm. memorable scene, yeah. Um, you talk about the special effects and the and the pushing of the computer graphics, yeah, and especially with the wide shots with the herds of dinosaurs, yeah, the, the Gallimimus running yeah. and uh, those look those, CGI. They they look a little CGI, but they look good considering the time. Yeah, but I think that uh, due credit needs to be said to the amount of stuff that was done practically. Yes, there's a sick Triceratops and a lot of the stuff with the raptors that is, are like is all close-up shots. Yeah. Basically, if you go close up on a raptor, chances are it was prosthetic. Yeah. If it's a wide shot, chances are it was CGI. Yeah. But it's seamless. Yep. And there are a lot of movies made in around this time of 1993, early yeah. mid 90s, yeah. that uh, have CGI that has aged terribly. terribly. Yeah. And I think that there's a few of the big wide shots where I definitely feel the CGI here. Yeah. But. For the most part, this you movie believe looks... that the dinosaurs are very much real, and for the most part, this movie looks as impressive today to yeah. me as it did yeah. in in 1993. Another thing that this movie gets right, and when, this is getting back to being in love at some point with your monsters, is there's still very much a scientific sense of awe with these creatures. Both Crichton, David Coep, who was also a co-writer, and Spielberg all love dinosaurs and yeah. you can feel that love and joy the scene with the brachiosaurus that's awesome the scene with the triceratops that's really good like they actually love 
dinosaurs. And yeah. you, once again, you're, as a kid, you're like, woo, and that starts going. And I like so, the characters share the audience's yeah. awe at yeah. seeing these dinosaurs. It also helps that you've got John Williams doing your big... Of course. Da, 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 like, awe moments. But, like, at the time when we first saw those dinosaurs in 93, yeah. this was the best rendering of dinosaurs we'd ever seen. Yeah. And the wave of awe that washes over the characters when they yeah. clear that you meadow. You feel that somewhat. We feel it with them. Yeah. It is an absolutely wonderful moment. Yeah. So, here's the thing. I know I, I started, I said that controversial thing about Schindler's List, and it sounds yeah. inflammatory. But... I love the scene at the beginning where the, there's a man attacked by a dinosaur and we don't see the dinosaur. Yes. I love the scene where they first see the dinosaurs and the, it's they're the moved to tears by yeah. it. Yeah. I love the scene in the med lab where they have the debate about the yeah, morality. Yeah, that's another thing that makes this movie so good. Is that it's I a, love the scene of, it's the, a, of it, the T-Rex that we just talked about. Yes. There are scene and sequence after sequence after sequence that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. What are your three most memorable sequences from Schindler's List? Girl with the Red Coat. Um, I would... Yeah, that whole sequence with the Girl with the Red Coat is probably good. Um, My point is... There's so so many different things to like about Schindler's List. Schindler's List is so emotionally devastating that it just washes over you. And it, it, it like the sort of black and white brutal thing that it is. And I realize it's a completely different animal than this. I don't take as much from it. I am yeah. so emotionally drained and just too busy crying into my pillow yeah. that uh, I don't, like, I recognize it's a powerful film, but I think Jurassic Park is just, like, every scene impresses me in a new and different way. Uh, I think we should they're save di- this. They're different we movies. Sh- we should save this for another different podcast. I'll put the focus back on Jurassic Park. It's like, I, once I, again, you're trying to compare us, you know, between, like, gold and diamonds. They're both just, amazing movies. Yeah, Don't anyways. get me wrong. I yeah. just, like, I just want to... It's not a popular thing to say, but... No, no, no. It's an honest thing to say. It's an honest but thing But whatever. I also, this is the... One of the greatest monster movies Of ever all time. Made. Yes. Yes. I, I Let's get back to the scene where they're talking about you know, the, the ethics of science. And, right. you know, the scientists who basically never asked, you know, whether they should seen... That's really, really good. That's sort of a staple of, you know, your social science fiction monster movies anyway, so I'm glad that's there. I also love the little cartoon explaining the DNA. Once again, that's sort of like, you know, in love and awe of science a little bit. Throwing back to the old sort yeah. of Disney educational yeah. films. Yeah, th- th- that's all really, really, really well done. Um, yeah, no, this movie is just absolute divine. I also... Spielberg also is a master, once again, of crafting action sequences. That raptor attacked in the third third act with the kids and then it segues with Samuel and Laura Dern yeah it, you know there's some amazing especially that roof sequence where they, they've climbed in in the roof and the raptor of course we're yeah. way we know it's coming but it's still sort of a Wah! and the that scene. shot of a girl dangling from the roof with the rap, raptors on its back trying to recover we're just <laughs> we're just nerding out at this point but yeah. I, I, I will also say the scene where Laura Dern is turning on the lights to the electrified fence yeah. as the boy is climbing it yeah. And that whole scene peaks and culminates with what should be a relieving moment. Yeah. And suddenly she is attacked from behind by yeah. a velociraptor. Yeah. It's got to win with one of the best jump scares I've ever witnessed in a yeah. theater. And Spielberg knows that there's only so many jump scares you can do. You've got to pace them well. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. It's... So we like Jurassic Park? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> maybe. If no, you it's... have a heart or were ever a child. Yeah. You should like Jurassic Park. Yeah. 
And if you don't like Jurassic Park... There's something wrong with you. I think maybe talk to someone. Yes. <laughs> like, you may not think it's as amazing as Lee and I do, but yeah. it's an entertaining movie. Yeah. And uh, if you don't like it, I think maybe you just don't like movies. Yes. <laughs> it's definitely one of the Master's greatest films. If you had to put a top ten of, you know, of rank and review, sort of sci-fi horror monster movies, he would have to put, you know, the first Jurassic Park because it's everything that and so much more. Apparently there, there, there was a 3D release of it. I never went to it then, I'm sure, but that would have been also just simply gorgeous to look at. Um, it's just one of the best monster movies ever made. Steven Spielberg, that greedy son of a bitch, yeah. has made two of the greatest creature features ever. And we love you. At the end of our time... Chosen to believe in each other. Today we face the monsters that are at our door. Today we are canceling the apocalypse. So the last couple of movies, we just—I know—I sort of like fanboyed all over King Kong and all over Jurassic Park, yeah. and uh, I bring my own personal baggage to those movies. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about Pacific Rim now, mm. and I have my own personal baggage in that I'm a big fan of Guillermo del Toro. Yes, am I? But I'm not as big into this whole world of kaiju or giant robots, cyberpunk you know, uh, manga-style storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, mainly because I'm not largely experienced in it, but mm -hmm. uh, this is maybe for uh, the younger kids, more for the younger kids' generation than mm -hmm. it is for me. I'm starting to feel a little bit like an old man, and this movie wasn't 100% for me. Yeah. The attraction for me was all Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. And what I will, will say is that as far as bringing spectacle to the screen, mm -hmm. as far as giant robots fighting giant monsters, which is the ludicrous premise of Pacific Rim, that is rendered really, really well. Mm -hmm. But as I'm watching the movie, and I've watched it three times now, I am mm -hmm. overwhelmed by the fact that I don't feel anything at any point. And yeah. that I am increasingly weighed down, and this is just me talking, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but as well rendered as the spectacle is, mm -hmm. I do not connect to it and engage with it in the way that I typically do mm -hmm. with Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. And I can't decide if it is the kaiju, if it is the story, if it's just too much not for me, mm -hmm. or if maybe I just have a hard time you know, saying out loud that I didn't like a Guillermo del Toro movie that yeah. wasn't Blade 2. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but I'm saying like I feel like I should be foaming at the mouth over how kick-ass and awesome Pacific Rim is. Yeah. And I think it was all right. I think it was you that told me, or maybe I read this, that Guillermo del Toro once said that he would never make a movie if it didn't have a monster or a ghost in it. Yeah. And God love him for it. No, I'm, I'm and all I think about that. that. And, but that's part of the problem with this movie, is that they're very much interested in both the robots, the robots and the monsters that the people and even the stories ultimately suffer because we just do not connect with them. We do not 
sympathize or I, 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 I don't know what you would say. We just don't connect with them at all. And that hurts the movie. The, yeah, the guy from Sons of Anarchy and this new Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam have to, you know, learn to work together and bond. And mm -hmm. what are the chances that they may fall in love during the process? Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Idris Elba, great, powerful Yeah, uh, it's always, British, you, you uh, never go, go wrong with having Idris Elba in your movie. The second he wipes a handkerchief to his face and we see a drop of blood coming out of his nose, mm -hmm. my mind jumped right ahead to... At some point, he's going to need to pilot one of these rigs so he can sacrifice himself. Yeah. The second I saw that trickle of blood from the moment, like, mm -hmm. I knew where his character arc was going. Mm -hmm. And that is repeated throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. You wanted to talk about the, the scientists in mm -hmm. it. A lot of people are rubbed the wrong way with how dorky and kind of stupid, in a way, the scientists are portrayed in there's this sort of, movie. There's a mad, sci mad scientist quality to them. But that's a sort of del Toro, almost, I wouldn't say trademark, but it's definitely very much del Toro. In a way, it was one of the beats that I kind of liked in the yeah. movie. It was sort of a goofier thing that I could connect to. Uh, it was... It was goofy in line with the goofy premise of the entire ludicrous world. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think that this might have been one of the problems of the movie. It's like, how seriously can we take this premise? Mm -hmm. uh, a, a rift opens up in the ocean and mm -hmm. gargantuan monsters come out of it. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think the fact that there's so many... And I think that also the fact that there's so many of them that we never really emotionally connect with the monsters as well. Yeah. Um, I mean... With Jurassic Park, I guess we had like the raptors and the T-Rex. Those are the basic main threats, so there wasn't too many. But there's so many different kaiju that when they come through, it's like, meh. Hmm. And there's just the aesthetic of them that I, I thought was all right. The Del Toro's aesthetic can either be very hot or very cold, I'm starting to discover. Hmm. And this is more in the American movies. When he's more in love with CGI, it tends to hurt him, I think. Um, I do like the rendering of the robots here, but that's the whole Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, <laughs> uh, you know, Japanime stuff that it is very much a part. But those stories from those cartoons that I've seen, the stories were never that deep and complex anyway, so maybe that hurts it as a movie. Um, I couldn't help but feel during the opening scroll when we were given the setup for, yeah. with, with like the history of these creatures coming out of the ocean. And also the history of the drift I thought was also very interesting. More interesting than the movie we watched. In yes. a way, I feel like we watched Chapter 4, or, or like Pacific Rim 6. Yeah. And we maybe should have started with Pacific Rim 1. Mm -hmm. Like, what if the movie was this first creature erupting from the ocean, and the fact mm -hmm. that it made it, like, what was it, 200 miles inland before mm -hmm. they finally dropped it with the conventional military weapons that they had on hand? Yeah. You know what? I want to watch that fucking movie. Yeah. I certainly want to watch it more than I wanted to watch this movie. Yeah, I know. I know. And it hurts me to say that about Del Toro. Um, but again, my complaints about the movie are, are mainly the story, the script. I think that Duterte is doing as well as he can with the material he's given. Yeah. And I think he likes the material more than I do, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like he's more in love with it than I, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But what, what disturbs me is my failure to connect to a lot of the characters, especially the main ones. I don't think Charlie Hunnam's a bad actor, and I like mm -hmm. that, that, that relationship between those two main characters mm -hmm. was efficient enough, but they were pretty people who could say the lines without hitting the furniture, mm -hmm. and I knew their trajectory wasn't, wasn't afraid for them, mm -hmm. wasn't worried about whether or not they were going to end up together. Mm -hmm. There was something inevitable about this movie. Mm -hmm. um, 
honestly, I think that they might have made a mistake. I think that the movie that they wanted, they were they were working up to Pacific Rim. Instead of just starting with Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. they needed to tell us, I don't know, a different story about these kaiju. Get us to the ridiculous robot fighting monsters mm-hmm. so that we believe it. Mm-hmm. Throwing us into the deep end this much, at least for me, I was kind of immediately detached from it. Mm-hmm. I felt at arm's length from the movie, and I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. I love Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. and I think that the reason I love him is that he does do these supernatural stories, mm-hmm. but with genuine human emotional connections mm-hmm. that make you care, so that the scares are more effective and that mm-hmm. there's more impact to it. And I didn't feel that mm-hmm. with Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. So um, I've certainly not thrown in the towel with the man. I, I'm, I, 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 I still love. It's me weird. Some I think he. he he kind of suffers when he's making movies by committee mm-hmm. when he has more creative control and I know this is true of a lot of filmmakers I think that's when he starts to the flaws start to show I guess I don't know uh, it's weird because I do agree that for the most part the majority of movies he makes back in Europe are, are far superior than when he crosses over into America yeah. I, I, I can't quite explain it there but, are moments where the movie lights up for me a yeah. little bit. Like, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Ron do, Perlman shows up. Yeah. It's sort of an interesting... Del Toro, you know, steady. Yeah, he's Ron a guy Perlman. who deals in kaiju. Yeah, yeah and basically. It, body parts. Yeah, you want a kaiju eyeball, you got to talk to this That guy. would be sort of neat. See, yeah, if they maybe did this as, a, like, a, at least a mini-series, there's so many other little interesting stories that they could have been told, like, even that backstory and how he became... If they almost treated it like, say, a Battlestar Galactica, yeah. I think we would have had something more. Like I said, I think we're thrown we're thrown in too deep into the pool. Mm-hmm. I think we needed baby steps to get us to Pacific Rim, and then maybe I would have been more on board. And even have you know a whole episode too, you know, the designing of these machines. Yeah. But there's like you know a great scene that makes me smile where like. A giant robot hits a giant monster with a giant. I do boat. love the fact. Yeah, I do love the fact that it has a line "elbow rocket now." Yeah. <laughs> but there's Our also a few times go. where the movie just steps over the line of stupid. Mm. Uh, the 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 robot is unbelievably damaged. There's nothing left. Oh, oh, there's one more trick that we can use. It's mm. this amazing sword that will cut the creature in half, which maybe we should have opened with. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The problems in the movie are as large as the monsters and the robots in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that there aren't people who are going to get off on watching Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not 100% against it. Yeah. I'm just like, there's I things said, to like about it, but I want to like it more than I do. And uh, I just hold Del Toro to a higher bar than this. Yeah. So I may be giving it what sounds like a D review. And when I'm honest, it's probably a C or even a C plus movie. Mm-hmm. But. I expect more from Guillermo, and um, I hope that, you know, he proves me right again someday. I don't know. I feel like I've been mean to Pacific Rim. Can we well, say some nice things about it, too? Like, well, uh, uh, just to recap, I like the stuff about the drift. If we had, mm-hmm. would have had more of that, I think it would have been a lot more grabbing. It's the way that um, the, you can sort of psychically connect to... Yeah. 
another person to help pilot a machine. The little and universes as we find yeah. out to connect to the actual creatures. Yeah, the little universes that are portrayed in this movie, I think, are far more interesting than the story of the robots and the dinosaurs. To me, Pacific Rim is one of those what, uh, what I would call the thirteen-year-old boy movie. Where at thirteen, Lee would have loved it. Yeah. But now we, we can see the flaws and go. It's not a good movie. Ghost Rider is sort of kind of in there where yeah. it's so bad that thirteen-year-old Lee would have been woohoo. But then the older you get, you don't want to revisit it because it is. I had the thought watching it again too that if this was just straight anime, yeah, maybe we, it would make more sense. Mm. Like maybe this did just need to be a Pixar movie for grown-ups. Maybe. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I, I didn't like the movie as much as I wanted to, but like mm-hmm. I, I feel like almost it's almost like when I'm disappointed or let down by a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, I feel like it's probably me. <laughs> it's like. Well, you know what's sort of weird is that so much had been built about this movie. Like, I was expecting Game Changer. And yeah. so when I eventually saw it, I was like, meh. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what it is. I think that they kind of hurt specific Rim in a lot of ways. I don't know. For those of us out there who have an appetite for monster movies, this is another one. Yeah. But uh, it does not distinguish itself. Not in this group of movies. You could do that. Okay, um, Drew Goddard yep. is he's coming up in the world. He's just recently coming up. Been, I think he's came. Yeah, well, <laughs> he just got nominated for best adapted screenplay for The Martian. He's showrunner for uh, Daredevil, Devil. which is the best Marvel series that I've come across so far. He co-wrote and directed Cabin, Cabin in, in the, the Woods. Woods. And um, shortly before that... His name has been on a lot of really good projects. Yeah. To the point where the man is consistently, at least at least consistently solid to really, really good. So he comes out with a script for Cloverfield. Uh, it's produced by J.J. Abrams and directed by Matt Reeves, who... Uh, Who's, you know a, what? He does a remake of Let the Right One In, which mm. was good, but mm. just not 100% necessary. Yeah, but his Dawn was way better than it should have been. Yeah, but that monkey movie was very solid. You're yeah. right. Um it's an interesting animal, did, Cloverfield. He also did The Paul Bear with Gwyneth Paltrow and David Schwimmer. <laughs> I have a vague memory that I, I watched that, that movie, but I, I know I watched that movie, but I have no memory of it. The thing about Matt Reeves is that I think he's made you know, at least very you know consistently at least decent movies mm-hmm. to the point where I'm at least somewhat intrigued by what he does next. No, I will, I will check him out. But I yeah. think Drew Goddard might be the draw here, but I think yeah. Matt Reeves is going places too. Yeah. The interesting thing about Cloverfield is... The choice to go with the found footage perspective. Yes. And, Which has uh, con- consistent plus and minuses. And they embrace those plus and minuses, but they also completely piggyback the Blair Witch sort of... Yeah. Style of... St- well, movie. not just the style of the movie, but the whole promotion of the movie. Yeah. Before this movie came out, there was all sorts of videos you could find online about yeah, the Cloverfield I, 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 incident. I, I, I kind of actually liked how they advertised this movie. That For a while, people didn't even know what this movie was. If anything, the 
Blair Witch parallels become almost insurmountable at certain times. Yeah. There's been other times where even with found footage movies that I've liked, I've said, I like this movie while I'm good. But if yeah. you've seen Blair Witch, you've kind of seen this movie. Yeah. I can't exactly say that with Cloverfield. The structure of Blair Witch is represented and the uh, way that they promoted the Blair Witch is mm -hmm. basically almost just ripped off. Yeah. But the fact that the scale is this huge is what makes it different. Mm -hmm. It's not three kids lost in the woods. It's a group of survivors in the middle of New York City. Mm -hmm. And New York City is being torn apart by this gigantic thing that's shedding smaller things, which is just causing relentless and this chaos. Has been, you know, this has been uh, four or five years after 9-11, I guess, at yeah. this point. Or, no, more close to 10, wouldn't it? Yeah. But it, it comes out of nowhere. This thing just crawls out of the ocean and starts fucking up New York. Yeah. And uh, we're at a birthday party or a going away party for yeah. this guy. And uh, we're thrown into the chaos with everyone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, while the shit's hitting the fan, he decides the thing he needs to do is to go rescue his ex-girlfriend who is trapped in a half-demolished building. Mm -hmm. And we follow him and this group of survivors on the worst and, spoilers, last day of their lives. Pretty much. Um, yeah, so uh, it's full of elements we've seen before, mm -hmm. but it's told in a different way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I admire, for the most part, a lot of the uh, restraint. Yeah. Within the movie, no, we don't. I don't necessarily think it's a home run, but mm -hmm. I think it's much more of a success than a failure. Mm -hmm. But I understand, like with most found footage movies, that it can be a divisive film. Mm -hmm. So, I'm I'm cheering for Cloverfield. I'm giving it a positive review. But mm -hmm. I brought you here to get a second opinion. Well, um, one thing about Cloverfield, and we have to talk about the f the found footage genre or subgenre, if you want to call it. Uh, you know the, the usual things that work and don't work with this particular type of film, and uh, you know, if we, and yes, once again, we have at least one of those annoying characters that never puts down the camera. But we need the annoying character. I know, that I know, puts down the I camera. know that 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 seems to be a staple of this particular thing. So I get fed hand. up with that argument that I hear people saying, like, "Why are they filming that? Why are they filming that?" Yeah. Well, what is your argument against it? What should we be seeing? Mm -hmm. Should the camera just be at his feet? Is mm -hmm. that what you want to watch? Yeah, I know. I know. Like, I know. I don't understand You could probably argument. explain it now, though, with just having a quick little body cam. Like, I'm yeah. sure at some point we're going to have a movie where it follows a cop through his really bad day. Yeah, absolutely. So, but... It's, it's, it's just the, the stable of, once again, the here's camera. this really annoying character that, you know, we can't wait for it to, you know, this person to meet its end in a lot of ways. I and didn't hate the character as much as he did, apparently. No, that, the, well, that guy's a stand-up comedian. Um, he's coming good. Up in the world. He's good. Um, but I think that if I was holding the camera mm -hmm. and there was a giant monster attacking the city, mm -hmm. I would fucking film every single second of it, too. I honestly do. Be it a separating filter or what. If my life was in danger, maybe yeah, I would drop the camera and just run. And that is represented in the movie. But mm -hmm. this is, if it was actually happening, the most fucked up and historically significant thing you're going to witness in your life. Mm -hmm. And if you're holding a camera, yeah, I think you'd film it. Um, I think you would put it down a lot more than you realize. But we're doing a lot of what-ifs at yeah. this point. And again, that's just the, this is the constant fight that you have with the found yeah. footage movies. What works... Either go with the movie or don't. Yeah. And in that way, you like the movie or don't before you've seen it. And one if thing you that... already don't like the movie before you've seen it, I think the problem is maybe more yours than the movies. One thing that does work with the found footage is we don't get a good look at the monster, at least until, I'd say, at least the halfway point. And there's yeah. even sort of like 
sort of quick shots of them you know, coming to another screen and we see the creature you know, on CNN news, whatnot, but yet we don't quite see the creature, and yeah. I think that works for it. Even the look of the monster is interesting, and in the, even like the, the parasites that you know fall from the creature, yeah. that's a nice touch. Um, the cast is divisive for me. I'll give you that. Uh, I mean, I just it's, it just seems to me I accepted the sort of staple of at least one of the annoying characters that we just have to deal with with this particular genre. Um, the lead character, I agree, is a bit of a douche as well, I guess. But, I mean, we have to have the love story. Uh, so that sort of works. I mean, I got his need to sort yeah. of... Obviously, he still has feelings for this woman. And he yeah. the last conversation he had, yeah. she was clearly in peril. I get him making the decision. I think that I have more of an issue with the other people who just sort yeah. of pile on and say, I'll go with you for some yeah. reason. Um, yeah... But I like that we stay with them because it seems like there was a, a hundred different ways to tell this story. Yeah. We could have been with some general yeah. in the and army. Else, yeah. We could have been in the White Oval Office. We could yeah. have been seeing the ground zero. We could have stayed with a, a news team that was actually covering the disaster. Yeah. And then people would stop bitching about why are they filming because yeah. it's their fucking job, okay? Yeah. Uh, um, we could have done all of those things, but instead we're with these group of civilians, you know? Yeah. And uh, they have no idea what they're up against. And things just keep getting worse and worse yeah. and worse. Yeah. And that trajectory, that escalating trajectory, I think is good. Mm -hmm. um, I also like the fact, and this is just the way the story is told as well, that this is a recording that's over-recording as well. And at certain points it goes back to that flashback. Uh, of the good that, old days uh, of that date. I think that's a, a neat little ploy of that movie, and and that's that's Drew Goddard, I think, right yeah. there, along probably with Matt Reeves. That's a, that's a nice touch. I also love the Easter eggs in this movie. If you notice at the beginning when it's when the movie starts and it's got all that different sort of fonts and that military font, and you want know, to give it that authentic feel very quickly. Uh, it's a very quick shot. It's a blur, but you see the Dharma Initiative symbol in oh, there. Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah, yeah. So once again, the whole J.J. Abrams universe Lost, it, yeah. it is expanded, and it, and it even makes an Alias connection because Slusha was a drink that the agents drank in Alias, so there's that too. If you want to be a complete nerd about it, which I kind of did with Cloverfield, <laughs> um, whenever it goes back to those flashback sequences, there's a quick little you know blip shots of... Uh, you know, frames from King Kong, they, it came from another world. So he's obviously, and even Godzilla. So he's referencing, and King Kong's in there as well. He's referencing you that, yes, this is essentially a big monster movie. So the, it's, I appreciate those little Easter eggs as well. He's Once sort again, of acknowledging where he came from. Yeah, but... and, I, and I like that. Um, so there's that as well. It's a And you know what? The creature is terrifying. Yeah. It, it, it's a very scary monster. Yeah. And um, we do, and we do, we do like these people enough. They're yuppies, but we do like them enough that you know their terror is real. Real, we fear them. There's also that one kill that we could probably talk about now. Uh, the I don't feel so well that oh, I, I have to say I didn't see it coming. Right, and then and this is just right after the whole terrifying you know subway tunnel. Yeah, there's sequence. these weird parasite creatures that sort of fall off the body of the creature. I'm not sure because yeah. we're never really told if yeah. it's offspring of the creature or well, according, parasites. I, uh, uh, well, according to the one website, 
uh, Goddard admitted that you know that's what he thought of them as parasites. Right. But I mean, you can see them as babies, whatever, whatever they are. Yeah. Uh, in a way, we're going to talk about it when we talk about Emmerich's Godzilla. It yeah. sort of was like just they added smaller monsters just to keep the stakes pushing up. See, yeah. basically, once they're in the subway, they could have hidden there otherwise, yeah. right, and yeah. been relatively safe. They needed mm-hmm. a reason to keep them. Uh, in mm-hmm. peril and keep the, the stakes high. I understand mm-hmm. why they're there. But the death you're talking about is this one character actually very heroically saves another character from an yeah. attack and as a result gets herself bitten. Yeah. And when they come across the military, obviously they've already seen a few of these bites and know what they do yeah. because she's immediately taken away from the group. Yeah. And we see just within seconds of her going behind a screen, she, what ha- yeah. she pops like a zit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, bravo. Honestly, the first time I saw it, I thought that they'd shot her, but yeah. no, it was the bite. Something had happened that, yeah. that it killed her. But yeah. it was a very shocking scene. Yeah. Uh, That's I, well done. Yeah. The sideways building uh, sequence, too. I, I yeah. Like, this woman is pinned to the wall, and uh, the... the it, it's a big budget scene and the mm-hmm. fact that it's shot in the found footage style is mm-hmm. interesting to me because mm-hmm. with with that elaborative set you'd want to cut to the wide shot you'd want to cut to like show off this amazing environment but yeah. no we are stuck to this tiny window of this one screen so mm-hmm. they're gonna there's a sequel actually eminent to this coming ten, out 10 Cloverfield Lane actually and so it doesn't look like it's found footage hey? no no in fact it's completely different they're calling it more like a Twilight Zone episode and, uh, and if what they what they're trying to do what I think they're trying to do it's an interesting interesting idea where <coughs> pardon me where each film um, because they're obviously going to try and make it a series yeah. will be completely different so this next one is almost like the survival horror underneath in the basement after the nuclear fallout well, spoilers uh, I certainly did like Cloverfield enough that I will te- check out the sequel and have I'm you seen the trailer to for it? it I haven't I'm looking forward to checking it out and I'm glad that they decided to not stay yeah. with the found footage yes I, I, I agree I think that that's a good call I mean yeah. uh, we'll talk about that sequel whenever we get around to talking about yeah. that sequel the shaky cam kind of hurts it for me a little bit when they go on the run and once again that's one of the things you have to accept about these movies yeah and I think again <coughs> you either like found footage or you don't yes. uh, like the, it does I, I get frustrated with the, like like well, the camera's shaking. Why are they always filming? Well, that's like, just one of the things. Okay, they, you just don't like found footage. footage yeah. You just don't like found footage. Yeah. Uh, it makes it authentic, but I can understand why people get nauseated by the whole, you know, yeah. shake, shake, shake. But I will uh, say, at the risk of sounding condescending, that if you dismiss the entire found footage genre yeah. because of shaky camera, because of why are they still filming, mm-hmm. I kind of feel sorry for you mm-hmm. because you're missing out on some good movies. Yes. And this is one of them. Yes. Good enough? Good enough. Could replace us as the dominant species.
Okay, let's talk about the worst movie of this list. Uh, movies. Oh, well, that, well, that was forward. I'm sorry, but we saved the worst for last. Uh, the last time we spoke about Roland Emmerich, uh, Karen Gizzi and I, I believe, were talking about Independence Day. Okay. And I gave it the low praise of being Roland Emmerich's finest hour. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You're wasting no time. Um, it's interesting. This movie... It has the unpleasant distinction of managing the impossible. It made me dislike Ferris Bueller. You know what? I was sort of thinking about this. <laughs> you know what they should have done? Is they should have hired Matthew Broderick and said, Okay, you're going to be Ferris Bueller, but you're Ferris Bueller like 15 years from now. Maybe a little bit farther. Fighting farther. Godzilla. And he could turn and talk to us through the camera and, and make so, commentary about you see, I would have paid to see I think that's the movie they should have made. And in fact, you know, he takes you know Godzilla and says, Hey, man let's go, you know, paint New York, right? And they, you know, have a car and him and Godzilla are, you know, driving along and even that ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Still surfing the wave of the tremendous success of Independence Day. Roland yeah, at this, at this point, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich were Hollywood golden boys. And, you know, they never stopped making big blockbuster movies. They just haven't made a good one. <laughs> they have not made a good one. Yeah. I think that this might be the worst. Well, I haven't seen 2012 or 10,000 BC. Oh, I haven't seen 10,000 BC. I couldn't say about that, but uh, I think it's worse than 2012. Okay. Well, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, and you know, that's that's challenging. That's challenging. Yeah, if you to look at their film, if you look at their filmography, you just don't. Yeah, because we've got what they they were known for at this point: Stargate. Universal uh, Soldiers. Universal Soldiers. <laughs> yeah. And then Independence Day. So yeah, he's one of those. I don't know. He's a successful filmmaker, but not a very good one. Yeah. I'm sorry to be so brutal about At this, this point, they were known for you know big budget looking movies, but made on a smaller budget. So, so. here we have this Godzilla property, and uh, the marketing campaign around this movie was quite brilliant, and there yeah. were some clever trailers for it, and the yeah. anticipation for it was quite great. I remember, yeah. I believe you and I went to see it. I, it might have even been opening night. I think it was. Um, and I didn't like it then, and it's aged terribly. I like it less now than I liked it then, and yeah. I did not like it then. <laughs> yeah, I actually fell asleep the first time I saw this movie a little bit. Um, uh, to pile on the hate and the uh, pain towards re- the d- director, though, oh, Okay. I think that this movie reaches a special level of hubris that mm-hmm. we did not see again mm-hmm. until M. Night Shyamalan did you know Lady what? in the I'm Water. I'm glad you're talking about this, because I want to p- pull what it's called a Shakespearean aside. Well, can and, I finish it? Like, sorry. What I'm trying to say is, yeah. that, like, in Lady in the Water, not yeah. only does... Shyamalan have a guy who's a critic yeah. who dies a bad death yeah. but he casts himself as a guy who writes a work of such importance that it changes the world yeah. it's so pretentious as to be gobsmacking yes. in this version of Godzilla the mayor and the mayor assistant Ebert. mayor is, represents yeah. Ebert, uh, Siskel and Ebert the late lamented film critics from you know, at yeah. the movies uh, because they'd never given him a positive review. Yeah. And throughout the movie, they're shown giving thumbs up and thumbs down. And yeah. it's this big blowing a raspberry. You, yeah. you give me bad reviews, but my movies make money. Yeah. You're right that your movies make money. Yeah. But you're, uh, they're also right that your movies are terrible. Yeah. And the fact that you're making fun of these 
guys yeah. in the midst of your worst movie yeah. is so like it just it's makes me want to tear a handful of hairs out of my head it's very lowbrow alright here we go filmmakers future filmmakers if you're listening to this podcast and I'd like to at least think there's at least one or two if you're going to make a movie don't ever 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 do this and write one of your characters as a film critic that's like a buffoon or an idiot or dies a horrible death because you know what that does it makes you look insecure and childish. You're not being clever. You're not being smart. You're not, you know, this is, you know, you know, sneaky. You're just, it's kind of, it's a lame dick move. Embrace who you are. If Embrace he was doing the, it in a way, admitting yeah. this movie is stupid and ha ha ha, yeah. I might have laughed with him at least. I would have yeah. still thought it was dumb, but I yeah. could have laughed with him. Yeah. But no, this was him waving a big fucking middle finger yeah. saying, fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm a brilliant filmmaker and the box office re- reflects that. Yeah. Uh, it's a dick move. It's a dick move. It's and a it dick move. It makes me like them less than yeah. its present. No, thing. don't do it. Don't do it. M. Night Shyamalan, Ding Dong, did it in Lady in the Water. There's been other filmmakers that have done it. Don't you do know, it. Don't do it. It's it's a lame dick move, and that's sort of the icing on the cake with this movie in a lot of ways. It's funny how much we've been able to talk about Godzilla without actually talking about the movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's a plot to this. Here's something else. I've never understood the popularity of the Godzilla movies. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they're really just sequences of a man in a green outfit up until probably this movie when Godzilla was rendered CGI, crushing miniature sets with cutaway shots of Japanese actors going, I don't know. I think I get it. I mean, I mean, obviously the special effects standards were different in the the 50s and 60s than they are now. Yeah. And obviously they don't impress as much. I did a not very favorable review of Godzilla versus King Kong in my versus episode, so mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> like yeah. they, they have a kitsch quality to them, I know, yeah. but I think I understand the appeal of Godzilla at least on that side of the ocean. Mm-hmm. As you know, the classic Hollywood monsters were sort of overtaken by fears of the atomic age, and yeah. giant ants, and yeah. giant monsters, and atomic whatever. Mm-hmm. Fears from outer space. And on the other side of the ocean, it was Godzilla. Nuclear disaster and devastation created this monster that crawled Mm. out of the ocean and created more devastation. (coughs) Yeah. Devastation created from devastation. I I, I understand that working as a conceit. And I can't help but think that Hollywood producers on this side of the ocean, when they caught wind of Godzilla, were like slapping their foreheads saying, of course, a giant lizard. What the fuck have we been doing this whole time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Do I get the base appeal of a giant lizard laying waste to a major city? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I do. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would be necessarily as challenging, even as like a King Kong thing, to yeah. do a very basic C-plus special effects spectacle. Yeah. Giant lizard versus New York. Yeah. But this movie thinks it's funny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this movie thinks it's like got the, the momentum and the sort of energy of yeah. like a uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or yeah. or some real popcorn extravaganza that just is utterly handling the audience. And yeah. it's generally misjudging where yeah. the audience is almost yeah. every step of the way. Yeah. Characters we're supposed to like, we don't. Characters yeah. we're supposed to not like, we do. <laughs> like, yeah. it's... It, like it, it, the whole movie is dyslexic, and I say that as a dyslexic person, so no offense. Yeah, yeah, and I think special mention has to go to to one poor actor, and it's, it's sort of not her fault because it is also a poorly written character. But poor Maria Patello, 
in this movie. I'd never, at least, I'd never seen her before, and I don't think I've ever seen her ever again in anything. It must she have been exciting to think that you had a major role in, in this a big, big project, blockbuster. yeah. And and wow, like it's it's just how the character's written, how she speaks. She doesn't really do anything to sort of forward the you know what little story there is. And do you think that perhaps the broken relationship between her and Matthew Broderick will be mended through this adventure? Maybe. Maybe, Lee. Just, just fucking maybe. maybe. Oh, yeah. No, she's <laughs> just, wow. And she takes up so much screen time. That that was just just a poor choice. Characters and actors are like Hank Azaria. I yep. like you. You're a good actor. And yep. You have quite a bit of charisma in the movie. Yeah. What are you doing in the movie? Yeah, what is your purpose of your character? Jean Renault, I will always love you from The Professional. professional. What are you doing in this movie? Drinking American coffee and going bleh. You know, you know what? It, it was it was nice to see genre favorites uh, Clyde Kustu uh, and George Chung and Al Long. Al Long, if you people know, uh, was a huge Asian stuntman from the '80s. All those guys showed up in Big Trouble in Little China. Right. Anyways, but uh, Al Leong was the guy who tortured Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon. Right. He's that guy. And. Everyone should get a chance to torture Mel Gibson, in my humble opinion. But hey, we'll save that for another day. So it was neat to see them at the beginning of the movie when Godzilla attacks this boat. Even the look of the film is just so very dated now. It's all very CGI'd, you know, very, you know, circa 90s. So, so the look of the film, I, I, I don't quite enjoy. Do you remember the soundtrack when this came out? It was a big deal at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, it's got Puff Daddy and... I was always waiting for that trailer for the fucking monster to eat Puff Daddy, and it never came. It was just like one giant cock tease. Um, well, and that's the thing we're talking about. Like, here's some people who are in the movie, and yeah. here's the soundtrack. Here are all the things they tried to make this movie sellable. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, I don't even like the new nouveau design of Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, and they changed it, and that was one of the, the criticisms. There's as well. something muppety about his face that takes yeah. away the scare. Yeah, and when they go to the point of him laying all the eggs and like they're being raptor Godzillas. Yeah, let's let's get to that too. Do you remember? Yeah, you obviously remember the advertising to that. Do you remember? The, do, you, yeah, do, you, do you remember the first teaser for Godzilla and what was it was the doing? Fishing the guys fishing. No, and... no, that was more when it was closer. The first one was that sort of little slap in the face to Jurassic Park because at this point Jurassic Park had been out for a while and they had that teaser where that teacher took the, that class to the museum right. and they're talking about the T Rex and how powerful and dangerous it is and obviously it's sort of referencing and also you hear that familiar boom and Godzilla's foot comes crashing in and crushing the you know the skeleton again the fucking arrogance of that that was kind of a big fuck you to Jurassic Park and then you know they made Godzilla and it was just sort of not as good it's like the, the how to do it and how not to. Yeah. Like, that's, we're going to make a movie better than Jurassic Park and no. fuck Jurassic Park, no. Yeah. I, I like the way the Jurassic then World then, had yeah. one of their dinosaurs eat Jaws at yeah. the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And, like, you, you know, you saw that or you didn't. Yeah. But it was a wink. But it wasn't a, we're better than Jurassic, Jurassic Park or yeah. we're better than Jaws. Yeah. Fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're not. Yeah, no. And then they had the audacity to steal the whole raptor thing. Let's make baby raptor Godzillas because that's what Jurassic Park did. And some of the shots are almost shot for shot. Like, it's yeah. embarrassing. So, you know what? Fuck you, Roland Emmerich, <laughs> is kind of what it's at. A lot of the times, like I've said, uh, if you go to rankandreview.ca, the mantra for the page is like, yeah. I don't want to be about hate. I don't yeah. I don't think it's necessarily interesting to listen to people yell at a movie yeah. for 15, 20 minutes. But yeah. I cannot think of 
anything fucking positive to say about this movie. I don't think the special effects are that great. There's actors I like who are not good in the movie. And that's... I think Matthew Broderick actively sucks in the movie. I and, know. Uh, he's not a bad actor, yeah. but and he's an unbelievably likable presence in no. movies. I fucking hated him in this movie, and that's never happened with me and Matthew Broderick. There's so many like wrong since. choices with this movie. And it's amazing. It's yeah. almost a study on how like if, how not to make a yeah. movie. Like, yeah, and if you're gonna try and insult a beard, you you better bring the goods. Otherwise, you're gonna fall flat on your face. It also needs to be cut by a good thirty minutes. Like honestly, you really don't need the Madison Square sequence. There's there's one or two false endings with this movie, and then because like just right when they've blown up Madison Square Gardens, even though it was pretty much destroyed to begin with, and all of a sudden Godzilla pops up again. At that point, you're like, oh, you're you're exhausted at that point. It's Uvi Bowl level yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. And I will give more credit to Uvi Bowl. You know why? why? Because with this budget, he could make twenty films. Yeah, <laughs> they'll all be shitty. But he could make 20 films for the same budget of this one disaster piece. Yeah. It's not so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. It's not even fun as a sound off movie. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not thrilling. It's too long. It's long. Yeah. I like, I, I, I failed my own experiment about trying to find something nice to say. Movies are hard to make. Special effects movies are yeah, hard to make. Yeah, Michael Lerner, so sorry, man. But like, even like Harry Shearer and, and Kevin Dunn, I don't care. I, and and that's sad. I mean, that's. I mean, it was a Godzilla movie, and chances were that it wasn't going to be amazing. But yeah. I'm actually shocked at just how awful it is. Yeah, I think that the greatest favor it did to the nouveau Godzilla, which I don't think is any great shakes of its own self, is that yeah. it set the bar shockingly low oh, for Godzilla. I agree. I think that Godzilla versus King Kong as kindergarten and ridiculous and dumb as it was mm-hmm. is twice the movie yeah. that this Godzilla is. So, so tell me how you really feel, Larry. I, I, I like, again, like, I wish I could say, but this performance makes it worthwhile, or the special effects are worthy of attention, or, yeah. you know, I think that the trailer for the movie with the old guy fishing is, like, the most complimentary thing I could say. It was an amusing trailer. Mm-hmm. It made it look like that could be a fun movie. Yeah. But watch the trailer. Avoid the movie at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. And that was six giant creature features, rank, well, reviewed, about to be ranked mm-hmm. in this episode of Rank and Review. Thank you very much for being here with me. I'm sorry if I came off as particularly grumpy today. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I do actually like a lot of these movies quite yeah. a bit. 
There's something it's, about that Godzilla movie has always stuck in my craw. If you love them, something though, just came out. You know what? <laughs> if you love them, though, then then it's all right to you know basically skewer the bad monster movies because yeah. you know what makes a good one. So don't apologize. Yeah, anyway. You're not. I feel like I was foaming at the mouth a little bit for that. <laughs> I just want to. There, there, there. I took there, my pills. I there, took my there. pills. I'm okay. Now. He's okay, folks. He's fine. He went outside for a walk. Uh, maybe I just didn't realize how deeply traumatized I was by that movie. I swear, like, there's probably been at least one night a year since I saw that movie. I bolt uh, sit up, bolt upright in bed and go, Godzilla! Oh, oh. But don't I, you, don't I had you this say dream that I was... <laughs> I had this dream I was still watching that fucking movie. Oh, Larry, I know you've got a punching doll of <laughs> Roland Emmerich somewhere right next to your masturbatory Yui ball. I'm sorry, Roland Emmerich, that I'm so mean to you, but uh, I really think that, like... Like he listens to us. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what was your least favorite of these uh, creature features? In well, <laughs> you'll be totally surprised. It's Godzilla. So far, so good. Godzilla is number six. Number five, and it hurts me to say this. It really, really does because I love the man, but Pacific Rim is number five because it just it, it was hard for me to connect. I think you and I agree. And number four, and this is where I think with my heart mm-hmm. and not my head, and I think this is where we'll probably differ, but... At number four, and it is a really good, like it's, it's a terrifying monster movie, which is hard to do, I have to say, and it's really well made. There are some things I don't like about it, but at number four is Cloverfield, and I'm admitting it's a very good movie. Um, uh, there's just some things that I have a problem with, which makes number three, I know it's not a good movie. I'll even concede that Cloverfield is probably a better made movie, but I love it so, and I'm, and I don't want to be ashamed for admitting it, but... I love me some Ring of Fire. Even the designs of the dragon, it's sort of like, sort of awe-inspiring. It's such a good movie. I agree that whether you like it or hate it will be your acceptance of Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, folks. I get it. But that movie makes me smile from no end. And I do love me some Ring of Fire. Which brings me to number two. I don't know if it's a shock, and it's really hard. At some point, I even had it at number one at one point, but then I went, no is King Kong. And I do say, do watch the extended version. You're going to be sitting down for a while. It's also not perfect, but it's made by a master craftsman and Peter Jackson, who I think we can both agree is superior. And last but not least, there was there any doubt? <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid that we, you know, even when you propose this idea, I thought, well, I know what number one is already. When you've, if you're going to reviewing the beard, it's pretty much guaranteed that it's either going to be one or two, but Ladies and gentlemen, at number one, I have Jurassic Park. It is one of the greatest monster movies of all time. It's awesome to see it again. I've seen it many, many times. It has appalling rewatchability. It, it does. really does. It does. So uh, That's a really good list, dude. And we are so fucking close see, that my heart breaks. I knew it. But I told I you, it. even before we recorded, like I thought, like I just looked at you and said... We agree on number six and number one. Like, right. We just do. And uh, the middle, I'm less passionate about. But okay. I'm, I'm afraid... I, I'm not, I, I haven't cheated for anyone yet. So. Okay. In sixth position, Godzilla, because fuck that movie. Yep. I think I, I had already said a mouthful about it, yeah. so I'll stop there. Yeah. I agree with you. In fifth place is Pacific Rim. Yeah. And I say that with absolutely no joy. Yep. Um, and, uh, I think that it might be, you know, just not for me. I think yeah. there are other people who will like Pacific Rim a lot more than I did, yeah. but I hold Guillermo to a high measure. I know. I agree. And I don't think he, he met it there. I agree. Um, so it's certainly not the catastrophe that Godzilla is, yeah. but yeah. 
So here's where we disagree. I know, and this is where I agree. I, I thought with my heart and not my head. In fourth position, I'm putting Reign of Fire. Hey. And here's the thing. I like the movie. Yeah. But I couldn't honestly say that it's a good movie. And I agree with you. I, I like it. <laughs> it's not good. good. It's a risky recommendation. I know. It's not for everyone. It's so fucking bizarre. It demands to be watched. I know. And if you haven't seen it, this is me, your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons, say, give a pass on Reign of Fire. If anything, you will walk away saying, it ain't boring, and yeah. I certainly haven't seen anything like it. I know. But I can't honestly say that it's a better movie than Cloverfield. I know. And I and to some, I agree with you in a lot of ways. So, like I said, I thought with my heart... And not my head. I am obviously less bothered with the forced perspective. I, yeah. I, I don't mind the found footage genre. And because there are a lot of bad ones, I welcome the good ones when they come. Mm. And I count Cloverfield as one of them. I know. As an experiential adventure and being on the ground floor of what it would be like to mm. be in, a, in an amazingly scary mm. crisis, I think it captures that sort of feeling of chaos and what mm. the fuck very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it follows the template that was well established by Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. But... It, it ups the scale to mm-hmm. enough of a degree to sort of distinguish itself. Mm-hmm. So, thumbs up on Cloverfield. Yeah, and, 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 and like, like I said, I really like Cloverfield. I understand why it's there. Yeah, and obviously, number two, I go with King Kong. Yeah. I have a great affection for the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the original will always be the original. It will always be the mm-hmm. masterpiece classic, but this is certainly the best version of King Kong since then, mm-hmm. and I think it would be a tough one to top. And uh, if someone, some, you know, 30, 40 years from now decides they want to make an even bigger, larger, badder King Kong, I don't know if I could handle it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, is it perfect? No, it does have some problems. But as a work of sheer spectacle and mm-hmm. entertainment filmmaking that keeps me eating my popcorn mm-hmm. and keeps me watching people being eaten by dinosaurs, I love me some King Kong. Mm-hmm. And in this case, more is more. Yep. But Jurassic Park is yeah. like, this was the list with Jurassic Park and five other movies. And, and as far as, are we going to be real about talking, which is the best giant monster movie? Yeah. Uh, I know that a lot of people will get all sort of hung up at, well, a lot of the villains are actually the Velociraptors. And Velociraptors were about the same size as us, but fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. This is an amazing movie. It's about dinosaurs eating people. And, uh... I honestly think that unless the weight of the world has so obliterated your spirit that you have yeah. not even a shingle, like single thread or shred of child wonder left in your system, yeah. uh, Jurassic Park is going to entertain you. And yeah. if it doesn't, I, I, I weep for you. Yeah. I really think that's unfortunate. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, looking at our list, like we're pretty, pretty close. And I understand why you put Cloverfield over. Like, one of these days you're going to go six percent. I know, like, but it here's, kills me. And, so and close. screw you, Karen, that you're now two and oh. I have to work <laughs> even harder now. But, but... Um, I guess I, I embraced the lunacy of Reign of Fire. I know I, I saw the flaws are evident, and I guess I embraced the suck in that regard. But I get why Cloverfield is the better made movie. I think that the deciding factor for me was that there were some turnoffs with you know the character beats, I guess, in Cloverfield and how you know how how they were portrayed. Plus, the shaky cam sometimes got to me a little bit. It's it's still in sort of ingenious in how it's presented. I, I do like it that way. There's um, a percentage but, of what the fuck to the Rain yes. of Fire. Like, it's just weird that it yeah. exists. And yeah. kind of awesome that it exists, I but know. it's weird. Yeah. And again, I can call it entertaining, but I can't quite tip over to calling <laughs> it good. <laughs> and once again, I agree with you. So, 
And I even thought about switching it at one point because I kind of knew that you were going to have Cloverfield above, above it. But I had to think with my heart. And I'm ashamed I think I, I thought with my heart. I even said that. I'm thinking with my heart and not my head when I rank this. But yeah, I don't know. I will say this. I have seen Reign of Fire many more times than I've seen Cloverfield. So and there's something to that. Well, it is a movie that like I would enjoy showing to someone. Like if they hadn't heard of it or they didn't know it yeah. exists, like if they'd yeah. never heard of Reign of Fire... Uh, come here, I'm gonna show yeah. you. <laughs> you have to know your friend, though. Yeah. I, I, I would just, I would pay money to see Karen Giese down yeah. and show the story and see uh, your face. It's certainly not a movie that everyone needs no. to see, but people who are a fan of monster movies and yeah. genre cinema, yeah. it's worth a peek. Absolutely, yeah. but yeah, but I could, yeah. Um, and I also think this Drew Goddard guy. You know, he's he's got shit figured out. Yeah, he's so, good. Uh, he's good. Cloverfield may not be his high watermark. I still think that that screenplay for Cabin in the Woods, yeah. just generally Cabin in the Woods, is just awesome. I always kind of wondered what a Sinister Six film was going to be like, because he, he, he kind of he, he stepped away from Daredevil to work on a Spider-Man movie oh. that never got made. He was set to direct it. Mm. Direct it, excuse me. Well, I think but, he's landed on his feet with this whole Martian thing. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. He did all right. <laughs> yeah. But, anyways, uh, good on you, Drew Goddard. But, I don't what else? What else can you say, man? Uh, I can say that uh, I do enjoy giant monster movies, and I can say thank you for doing the podcast on giant monster thank movies. Thank you for me. having me. Uh, there are more giant monster movies to come in you. the future, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Cloverfield sequel. I'm looking forward to more Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, um, they'll re- they'll revisit Godzilla. It's funny how seriously I seem to take these movies. I think I like, had a chip on my shoulder this episode. But again, it's because I love them. You're, you I, you I are get, feisty. Feisty, Larry. I get that they're silly movies, but I genuinely mm. love them. Yeah. And uh, when they're done well, they can be so good. And uh, because I love them when they're done well, I get frustrated when, yeah. they're, when they're half-assed. So yeah. I, I, I would like to be proven wrong about Roland Emmerich. If Roland Emmerich made, like, if this sequel to Independence Day turned out to be awesome, I would be genuinely thrilled. Because honestly, as far as I'm concerned, he is like... You're really, really smacking around Roland He's Emmerich. symbolic of everything that's wrong to Hollywood, as far as I'm concerned. He has not made an okay movie, really. I guess, okay, no. He's, Independence Day is okay. It's fine for what it is, but it's... Got his creaks and moans. But, like, he, his movies are 100, 200 million dollar movies. And he keeps on getting to make another one, no matter how shitty the one is. I, I think maybe it's just that everybody's all over Michael Bay. And I'm like, mm-hmm. relax your hate on Michael Bay. Save some for Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. Emmerich. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's Jerry Springer's final thought. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. episode to a close. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, you can contact Rank and Review at 
rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and do spread the word on the show.